Hi everyone, welcome back to Rolling with the Winners, episode 18. Moving along here. Uh, I hope everyone is looking forward to Thanksgiving this week, getting some time off work or school or whatever you're doing right now uh, to sit around and watch some more football, eat a lot of food. Uh, Definitely really looking forward to it. I'll be heading back to Cleveland for the week, which is super exciting, and I am just ready to have some downtime for a while, uh, so it'll be good. Uh, Today's episode, I'm obviously going to have to start with what I completely and very, uh, it was very unlucky that I missed this last episode uh, because I recorded the episode before the Browns-Steelers game, which I thought, how exciting and interesting can this game really be to somewhat average teams? Nothing crazy is going to happen. And of course, uh, one of the craziest things that's happened Uh, in quite some time (laughs) went on during that game and uh, wasn't able to talk about it last episode, but that's okay because I have definitely been able to really collect my thoughts about it. I think rather than giving a rash reaction, which is what I think a lot of people in the media were doing, uh, a lot of fans as well, just giving their instant reaction to, you know, the three second clip of what happened uh, without looking at the situation holistically, uh, hearing the stories and the news that came out in the coming days, I think really shaped a lot of opinions about uh, what went down here with this situation. Uh, It was, it's interesting because, so this past week at work, uh, we, we had this meeting, it was sort of a presentation uh, that kind of talked about sports and pop culture, and we went through each generation, really dating back to the early 90s, and looked at how sports really aligned with pop culture and what was going on in the world at that time. Uh, most people were obviously kind of like snoozing during the, this presentation, but Obviously, I'm a total sports nerd, so I was just eating it up. I'm like, yes, this is the 16th picture of LeBron you put in this presentation. I was into it. Uh, It was super fascinating and definitely uh, is really true when you look at, you know, the way the world goes and how things are happening in politics, in music, uh, in anything really, sports usually mimic what is going on in a lot of ways. So it was interesting because as soon as I walked out of this presentation, I looked at my phone and I saw a Bleacher Report notification that said, Miles Garrett alleges Steelers QB Mason Rudolph called him a racial slur before the Thursday night football brawl. Uh, and I just thought it was it was fascinating because what a situation to align with exactly uh, the way our world is right now. There's a uh, a lot of racial and political divide, and there's a lot of people discussing uh, the use of racial slurs. Uh, some people thinking it's okay for anyone to say it, which I completely disagree with. Um, but it, it is a topic of conversation right now, and it was just so interesting to have that situation uh, very much align with what is going on in the world. Um, Overall, it's just interesting that so many people, um, after I saw that notification, are jumping to the conclusion that Miles Garrett is making that up. Uh, I truly do not believe that he he was lying. To be honest, I was I was talking to one of my friends after the Brown Steelers game, just trying to kind of piece together how 
Uh, a seemingly nice guy like Miles Garrett, everyone has had very positive things to say about him as a person in general, could snap like that. And we both honestly thought at that point there was a good chance that Mason Rudolph threw out a racial slur in that moment. He just, it, it seemed like that was a possibility. And it just didn't surprise me after the game when I thought that. Um, and it didn't surprise me when I saw the notification come across my phone uh, that that's what Miles is saying happened. Um, I personally do not know how it feels to be a black man or a woman in America and have racial slurs said to me, uh, when this guy is also trying to take my helmet off and he's going after me, going at, I mean, literally Mason Rudolph was going after his crotch repeatedly too, which is just a weird move in general. Um, I am not excusing at all what Miles Garrett did because I think everyone, including Miles Garrett agrees he took it too far. That was dangerous. That was not something he should have done. But I don't think he was lying, and I can't fully blame him for reacting in general. He reacted too strongly, but I can't blame him for reacting. Um, you're already in this crazy mindset being in a football game, and then you have this this punk quarterback coming at you, calling you a racial slur, trying to pull your helmet off. It's just, it's not right. And I, I really truly believe Mason should suffer some type of consequences Um Unfortunately, the NFL said they weren't able to get any audio from it, which I think is uh, a load of crap. There there has to be a way they can figure out um, and confirm whether or not he said it, but they're saying they cannot. Um, I just think overall, Miles Garrett would not lie. Uh, the second part about all of this that has really, really been bothering me is that the NFL as a whole is constantly, truly constantly, dealing with uh, off-the-field violence. Uh, so players getting in issues of domestic abuse, rape, sexual assault, um, and some really horrific things. Uh, not too long ago, Big Ben got a six-game suspension reduced to a four-game suspension for rape. So you mean to tell me what Miles Garrett did is worth far greater consequence than that? Uh, I mean, there's countless players. Ray Lewis is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he was dealing with murder charges. Uh, and we have honored him at the highest level of play. Uh, I truly, I cannot wrap my head around why Miles Garrett has just become the the devil in this situation. People are saying he did the unthinkable. And I just, I truly feel like it has been blown out of proportion. Um, yes, he could have seriously injured Mason Rudolph, but we've seen equally as uh, horrific things happen in games before. I don't think this was out of the scope uh, of what has gone on in in many sports before. Uh, it feels like part of it has to be this vendetta that the NFL has against the Browns as a whole. Uh also, the other fact about it, it was a Thursday night football game. I was talking with one of my friends the other day uh, about how if this was a 1 p.m. Sunday game, along with however many other 1 p.m. games are happening, don't think it would have been as big of a deal. But it was a Thursday night game. Uh, there was There's a lot of hype and heat around those games. Uh, it felt like that kind of blew it up even more. And then in ge general, just the media coverage that has surrounded the Browns, people wanting them to pay, fail, people wanting them to do wrong, uh, it felt like that just really piled on to what it did. If this happened when the Browns were 0-16, I don't think anyone would have been giving a peep about it like they are right now. I just think overall the NFL has their their moral compass pointing in the wrong direction and they certainly need to start working on that because it is ridiculous how much this has 
blown up into something more than it shouldn't have been. Um, you know, it. I was watching the Steelers Bengals game this past weekend at the same time as uh, the Browns game was on, um, had it on another TV. And, you know, it really felt like there was a unspoken rule between the NFL players that what Mason Rudolph did um, was not okay, that uh, he should definitely suffer some consequences for it. Uh, The Bengals are literally the worst team in football right now, and they looked like they wanted to kill Mason Rudolph. Uh, It's almost as if all the players said, okay, if the NFL isn't going to do anything about this, then we are going to do something about this. Uh, it, it just, it truly felt like that. Obviously, Mason Rudolph ended up getting benched during that game. We'll see what happens with the uh, Brown Steelers game this coming week, if he plays or not. I hope he does. I, I'm a little scared for him if he does, because uh, you got some guys ready, ready for him. Even after the game this past week, Sheldon Richardson, he was asked if he saw that Mason Rudolph got benched and might not play next week. And he said, I don't care. I hope he plays. And they asked him why, and he said, did you see him against us? Uh, So those boys are ready for him. Uh, If he doesn't come ready to play, he is in big trouble. Uh, So this past week's game, not too shabby. A little anticlimactic after that Steelers game and playing a not-so-good team in the Dolphins. But uh, we were very dominant to start the game. A couple hiccups that we had there, um, but then really, really solidified it. We were just a more talented team than them. Definitely things we still need to work on. Baker is looking better. I mean, honestly, after week eight, Baker was ranked 36 out of 39 quarterbacks. He was not doing super hot since then. Since that bye week, um, Baker actually has had one interception, which was in this Dolphins game. Um, He had none in the games prior to that since the bye week. Uh, I mean, he wasn't doing well earlier. He had four interceptions in the 49ers game. So he's really made a turnaround um, in that department. He has definitely improved statistically, but I think the real change is that he seems more confident again. He's gone for some deeper throws in the last few games, not really always completing them, but definitely giving the defenses something to think about. Uh, Kareem Hunt is huge for us now, honestly, just creating an additional threat for the defense to worry about, uh, while definitely also taking some uh, some of the weight and some of the reps off of Nick Chubb as he he has really had to carry us offensively at times, especially in games that maybe OBJ was struggling to catch some balls. Uh, we were just having Nick Chubb run all over the place. Uh, also very good to see OBJ and Jarvis score in the same game. Uh, OBJ had not scored uh, since week two, so good for him to to put some points on the board again. So I know that was probably sort of my uh, important things to know in crushing brewskis in the muni lot section, uh, but kind of had to come first because I uh, missed it last episode and it's just been such a pressing topic and I feel so heated about it. This was almost a great venting session for me to get out all my thoughts and everything that I have been feeling about it. It's also really tough living in Pittsburgh having these thoughts because I can't talk to anyone here about it because uh, none of these Steelers fans quite uh, know where I'm coming from in that department. So yeah, moving on to some lighter topics with college football. Uh, Chase Young, he now holds the single season record for the most sacks in Ohio State history with 14.5 and there is still one game left of the season and he had to sit out two games. 
the NCAA truly could could not stop him <laughs> on uh, on breaking some records. Uh, so another interesting fact is that J.K. Dobbins should be passing Ezekiel Elliott next week and move up to the number two spot on the Ohio State all-time rushing list. Uh, number one is Archie Griffin, then Zeke, then J.K., then Eddie George. Those are some massive names on that board. So honestly, props to Dobbins for moving himself up there, really solidifying himself as a great player. Uh, I think everyone knows he's great. I don't think he gets the um, the hype as much as other guys have because he doesn't have the same type of flash. You had Zeke with the crop top. Uh, he was just a different kind of player. Uh, but J.K. is a he's a solid guy and um, has a lot of potential for the future in the NFL as well. Um, that Ohio State Penn State game, man, I was a uh, once again at a bar in Pittsburgh and of course it was full of mostly Penn State fans which was um, interesting but we really dominated to start the game obviously let them back in a little it just seems like a theme of Ohio sports teams to do that but um, you know we just deal with it we roll with the punches Uh, they overall completely dominated the game though total yards Ohio State 330 Penn State 84 First downs, Ohio State 21, Penn State 5. Total plays, Ohio State 56, Penn State 28. I could go on. We dominated them in every single category. Um, Even yards per completion was at least five yards more for Ohio State per completion than Penn State. Um, Fun fact, Ohio State has played 600 minutes of football this season. They have been in the lead and tied for 590 minutes and 44 seconds of those 600 minutes of football. All of the ties were 0-0 at the start, and actually the only time they trailed this season was for the first 9 minutes and 16 seconds against Miami, if you remember that game. We were losing 5 to nothing, and then proceeded to slap 76 points on the board. So that truly just shows how dominant Ohio State is this year. Um, Kind of funny story trailing off of this, but uh, I I don't think this has anything to do with my podcast, more so just my sports-related tweets in general. Uh, But I've been getting a lot of random Twitter trolls lately. Like yesterday, I think it was two days ago, actually, this random girl tweeted me and said, you're the reason people hate Ohio State fans. And I was like, okay, am I famous? Like, why are you saying this to me? Um, She was a Cincinnati fan. And I had tweeted earlier that day, just kindly reminding everyone that Ohio State beat Cincinnati 42 to nothing. That was not a dig to Cincinnati. It was actually saying that Cincinnati is a very respectable team. We are their only loss this season. Uh, It just really shows our strength of schedule, being that we were able to dominate them so greatly, and they're a a very, very good team. Um, So I ended up responding to this random girl, even though I really don't respond to random people ever, uh, and I just, I I told her that, those thoughts I had, and then I ended it saying, thank you for the kind words, though. (laughs) Um, And I'm like, shoot, man, if this podcast ever takes off and I get, you know, some haters, I'm just going to have to not answer them. But I was so annoyed because it was, it was such an ignorant thought. I was not hating on Cincinnati. I'm saying the fact that Cincinnati is good makes Ohio State's win even more impressive. But people just don't want to hear the facts. Um, I Yeah, I really don't know what made me respond to her. Um, but also, people hate Ohio State fans because they want to be as successful as we are. Like, 
there's not really other good logical reasons to hate Ohio State fans. A a Penn State fan came up to me at the bar during the Ohio State-Penn State game and said, I hate Chase Young so much. And I just, I wanted to ask him why. Because he hasn't, he's a good player and really has not done anything wrong you, you would want him on your team. You would like him if he was your guy. Um, he's a respectable person, so there's not a real reason to hate him. Um, but Ohio State has just been so dominant for so long. And their fans really care about their team. Uh, so people are just going to hate. But I, I like it. That's what I live for. <laughs> I live for it. It's the Cleveland in me. I want to be the underdog. I want people to hate on my teams and to hate on me. And I want to prove them wrong every time. Um But anyways, just had to share that little story. So Richard Jefferson came out yesterday saying that he knew it was time to retire when the Knicks were the only team to offer him a contract. He was saying this um, during the broadcast for the Knicks and Nets game. Um, He literally said he would rather retire than play for the Knicks. Uh, Apparently, he was joking and all of that, but uh, the way it came across on social media They didn't really, really clarify that. Um, But the Knicks Twitter account tweeted saying that this didn't happen and they never offered him a contract. Uh, It's just funny because the Knicks are bored, so they're responding. Just very classic Knicks, uh, you know. But shout out out to all my Knicks fans. Um, It's funny that... uh, this kid probably doesn't listen anymore, but he, this kid I went to Ohio State with, he's a Knicks fan. He messaged me one time and said, I thought I'd give your podcast a try. And then within a few minutes, you made a joke how if a player asks for a trade in the NBA, they should be required to go to the Knicks so people stop asking for trades. Um, and that's how I, I thought you should fix the NBA. Uh, and he, he didn't like that, so he said he, he would no longer be listening. Um, I still stand by that point. Uh, that is how you fix the NBA. Uh, and uh, I fully believe that. Uh, but continuing with the the kind of Richard Jefferson story here, the, the Cavs joined in and tweeted, for clarification purposes, it is true that Richard Jefferson became a champion of Cleveland in the summer of 2016. So it's kind of fun. They joined in on the joke there when uh, the, the Knicks thought they had to stand up for themselves. Uh, so some college basketball kind of continuing off of Uh, I think last week when I talked about James Wiseman, the Memphis star freshman kid, he has to sit out 12 games total for his violation and will be eligible to return to the Tigers on January 12th. Um, He will also have to donate $11,500 to a charity of his choice because that was the amount of money that apparently – his coach gave to his family to help them move, kind of like I talked about last episode. It's pretty ridiculous because this is basically like giving a college athlete a fine when he doesn't make any money. I truly don't even know how they expect him to pay him back because apparently you're not even allowed to take loans from family friends anymore. So I don't know how he's supposed to get that money together to pay it in order to return to play. Uh, It's pretty much a new low for the NCAA to do something like this because I I truly do not think it's allowed. If you're not allowing your players to make money, how can you expect them to pay a fine? Just wanted to call that out. All right, now positive things. My boy LeBron, he became the first player in NBA history the other night to have a triple-double against every single team in the NBA. He got one uh, against OKC the other night to round out his list. Um, 
which is super incredible. He is also this season right now averaging 25.2 points per game and 10.8 assists per game. Um, No player in his age 30-ish season or later has averaged 25 points per game and 10 assists per game for an entire season. Russell Westbrook is actually the only player to do this in his 10th season or later, which was in 2017-2018. So it just really proves, again, like I say every single week, how he is playing at such a high level uh, and he's about to turn 35 years old. And then we have Luka Doncic. He uh, became the first player in NBA history to record a 35-point triple-double in 25 or less minutes played. His stat line was 35 points, 10 rebounds, and 11 assists. He has just had an unreal season so far. Uh, He is going to be a special player. Other than LeBron, if I could pick one player to have on and start a team with right now, it would be this guy. He is just, he is playing so well and he has a very long career ahead of him. Uh, All right. So that is actually all I have for you guys today. I uh, hope everyone has a happy Thanksgiving, enjoying some time off with family. Enjoy some Thanksgiving football. I think the uh, Bills-Cowboys game actually should be somewhat decent. The other games I don't think will be anything too special. Um, But if you could also please leave me a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, subscribe or follow on whatever streaming platform you use to listen to podcasts, tell your friends, um, and happy Thanksgiving. And you know what? Also, go Browns. Also... One more. Um, Beat M Word Week is up, so go Bucks. <laughs>